You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. It is a beautiful Friday here in the Evco Development Studios. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez here. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can check us out on our simulcast at Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. Kim Mulkey's crew getting ready to tip it off in Greenville, South Carolina for the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. They're going to take on the Georgia Bulldogs here in about an hour. The New Orleans Pelicans looking to get a winning streak going. Crawl a little bit higher up in the Western Conference standings. They're playing Golden State tonight at 9 o'clock. And a weekend full of college baseball and softball to get into my main man, the producer extraordinaire, and the co-host of this great radio show. It's Mr. James Mesh. James, happy Friday, sir. How are you? Happy Friday, Matt. How you doing? I am fabulous. Oh. Fabulous. It's Friday. Mm-hmm. The weather is beautiful. Perfect day for baseball. And there is a plethora of sports to get into. Clue some pretty big news. It's an educated-ass word right there, plethora. Uh, that's a... That's you just a, learned that one five minutes ago? I mean, no, but I don't use it very often, so when I pull it out, you know, it's a big deal. You feel good. Yeah, I feel, I feel good about myself. Hey, I'm actually pretty smart. That college degree that UL handed me, it might have actually been worth something. Maybe it's not fake. Maybe, yeah. Maybe they didn't feel bad for me. <laughs> so... There's some rule changes coming to college football that we're going to get into real quick. Um, It has approved several rules designed to speed up college football games, them being the NCAA Football Rules Committee. A couple of the big changes that have been renewed. The new rule will keep clocks running. On first downs, unless it's the final two minutes of the half. So inside of two minutes in the second and fourth quarter, just like the NFL does, the clock will continue to run after a first down. It will not wait for the chains to reset. James, do you agree with that rule? Or do you think the NCAA should have kept it the way it was? No, I like it. I like it a lot because... Even though it's a lot of football you get to watch, so you get more possessions, it's it's still a lot. And it, it takes a lot out of the players themselves because you're running 80, 90 plays usually. Unless you're just that one time Michigan State did it to, I think, Michigan, where they ran, a, ran I think, 20 plays and mm-hmm. ran nine minutes off the clock because yep. it took them all, four, all fours downs to get a first down. But I, I like it a lot because... You, you'll get the time rolling more because you look at it, you're like, wow, I mean, we just ran seven plays, but we just took a minute 20 right. off the clock because we got like four first downs out of it right? and maybe went out of bounds a couple times. It's like it doesn't feel like the clock is ever running unless you're a running offense and it takes you all three downs to get the first down. 
another big rule change that they're going to make is that you will not be able to call consecutive timeouts, also known as icing the kicker. That is no longer allowed in college football. I'm okay with that. I'm fine with that too. Uh, I'm okay with that. Like um, calling back to back, that's annoying because that just prolongs it anyway. Right. Usually, college kickers aren't as efficient, especially if it's a televised game. Yeah, like now, you're, now you're, we got now really, we got time to fill for the next right thirty to a minute to try and figure out okay how are we gonna now fill this so it's not dead air the whole now, time. Now you're now you're giving me ten minutes of commercials when I don't want to watch ten minutes worth of commercials. I want to watch football. Um, or when you're in the stands, this doesn't have to be like basketball where we're calling timeouts back to back and fouling. You're you're in the stands. Oh, now now you got to talk to your frat brother that you don't really like. For four minutes, because and ask him, hey, you think he's gonna make it? Right, because you're standing there for four minutes waiting for the TV timeout to end. Like, no. So I'm actually in favor of that. I'm also okay with the clock not stopping for for a first down. I think that that's fair. Um, you know, people look at college football as a you know preparation for the NFL. What better way than to play by NFL rules? And another thing that they could do is change it from just one leg. Or one foot in to mm-hmm. two feet in like the like the NFL. You could. You could. Um another one, untimed penalties. Rules violations that occur with no time on the clock in the first and third quarters will now carry over to the next quarter, thus limiting the untimed down to only occur at the end of halves. That's fair. That's another thing that yep. just prolongs the game because yep. a lot a lot of times, like a an eleven clock game. That thing lasts till two thirty. Two thirty, almost pretty yep. much three o'clock. Yep. And even then, even longer with overtime because sometimes with these overtime rules, even though I like it a little better than the NFL, that thing just makes it last forever. It's like we we've done two hundred plays and we still can't decide a winner. And then this last one's going to be really interesting. They're adjusting replay. So if there's no replay official in the booth, the officials on the field will have the opportunity to look at available video after a coach's challenge and make their own call on the field. It's interesting. Because now you'll you'll see a different side of a judgment call with if there's no replay official. So it's going to be interesting to see how those rules kind of play out. I think long-term, it's going to benefit college football to do it that way. But, you know, like you're seeing in baseball right now with the pitch clock and, you know, things of that nature, it's going to take a little getting used to. There's definitely going to be an adjustment period to try to, to figure out how all of that is supposed to work. But, again, like I said, I think in the long term, it's going to be better for for the game of college football your poll question of the day flipping over to the new orleans saints obviously their biggest need is quarterback we heard today that Derek carr could make his decision as early as next week outside of quarterback what do you think the biggest position of need is for the new orleans saints is it running back is it defensive tackle is it an offensive guard is it other so far, 42% say running back, 39% say defensive tackle, 11% say a guard, and 8% say other. James Mesh, what say you? I think kind of like if you were doing it in 
order of the draft, I would want to go get either a guard or a defensive tackle. Now, if we're talking about just in general, I'm looking towards running back because you don't have a solidified RB2, and we know that there is a suspension coming sooner or later with Alvin Kamara and what he did at the Pro Bowl. So if that's the case, if you don't find yourself at least one steady running back once that happens to begin the season, yep. what are you going to do? Because think- because your your whole team is predicated on this on the Saints' defense. Mm-hmm. So if you're predicated on the defense, you're looking to limit possessions, control the time of possession, control the clock, and that's by running the ball. Generally. And that's just their main thing is they want to run the ball. So if you don't have any solidified running backs, I don't care if that you got a, a good O line. If you have Tony Jones Jr. as your RB one or Eno Benjamin as your RB one for six, seven, eight, ten games, and that's even if he stays healthy throughout that whole time. It's not going to be good yep. because you need to have at least one good guy. Offensive lines do help. But even though we're not a huge fan of Andre Speed and we don't even know if he's going to stay on the roster to begin next season, you still got a solid offensive line. You still got Ryan Ramchek, Eric McCoy uh, got, got locked up recently. Trevor Penning, you still got to see what he can do. But he showed some nice flashes in the few plays and games that he did play in. And then Cesar Ruiz looked mm-hmm. a lot better in this last season over the previous two. So even though you do have somebody like Andrews Pete, that is somebody that seems like a liability, Good you feel pond like water. Oh, pond water, something else. You feel like this offensive line is better than average. For sure. For so sure. if you, to me, you need to go find yourself a running back running, that you can work with. Running back's number one behind quarterback. Because even though I like Eno Benjamin, I feel like depending on how well how well he looks, he could be your RB two. Since he is still 23, he's still a really young back and doesn't have a lot of tread on those tires necessarily. I think he is somebody that could do that. Even then, you don't want him as your RB1. You could always improve your trenches. I agree with that. There's never enough offensive linemen and defensive linemen. Correct. But I think for this team right now, the biggest need outside of quarterback is a number is a second running back. Because That's the biggest need. Because it's more of getting extra depth for that offensive line. Right. For running back... You just need to get guys that you can trust to be on the field right away. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, looking at some of the comments on our poll question of the day for your biggest need for the New Orleans Saints, John Paul says, I know we'll be without AK-41 for a while, but running backs can be found in free agency, not worth wasting a pick on. If we do sign back at least two of those first-year defensive tackles, we will need to get one on a good team-friendly rookie contract. J.K. says, is head coach an option? If not, I'll take this running back. And he posted a picture of Eric Bieniemy when he played for Colorado back in the day. Um, Hudat Forever says, anyone who says anything other than D-line is a casual football fan who doesn't understand the game. Hell, it might be a bigger need than quarterback. They were absolutely awful last year. This guy just called me a casual football fan that doesn't understand the game. <laughs> now look, I mean, you—he's not wrong. You're not wrong, but you basically have you basically have nobody in that room. It's the same thing with defensive line. That's why I think guard would probably be third on the list. But I'm I'm looking at it. you need to. Running back is such a thing right now, and yes. Absolutely. You can always go get a running back in free agency. But with right now, with what's going on with Camara, you need to go get one in free agency 
and make a selection in the draft for a running back. It's not one or the other. You need to go do both. Hey, hey, James, do you have any idea who the leading rusher in the XFL is right now? Boston Scott. Or no, no, not Boston. I'm sorry. Uh, it's Abram Smith. Abram Smith. I, I couldn't remember his name. I was like, it's somebody that was late running back. No, Abram Smith. I mean, well, actually, he, he's not the leading rusher anymore. Uh, Kalen Ballage is now the leading Ooh, rusher. Ooh, Kalen Balaj. Yeah. Former Dolphins running back. Uh, he has 107 yards so far on the season, while Abram Smith is behind him at 100 in two games. I mean, 50 a game, it's not horrible. It's not a bad average. It's not horrible, especially when you've only carried the ball 23 times. You're averaging 4.3 carry. That's not bad. Um, yeah, I, again, I, I'm going to say it. The, the Saints, I think the Saints need to go r- running back. I mean, Alvin Kamara could miss half the year. W- what, what are you going to do? No, I'm not saying go get a running back in the first round unless Bijan Robinson fell to you at 29. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about just – I'm not even talking about drafting. I'm talking about just in general. Mm-hmm. Go get a running back. I'm saying go get one in each. Go get one in free agency and go get one in the draft. And when I say draft a running back, I'm thinking at the soonest the third round, unless it's Bijan. Because here's my thing. But I don't think Bijan's lasting till the late first. I think he will. I think he will. Like he he, he might go in the he might go in the twenties, but I don't think he's gonna be there at twenty nine for the Saints to pick. Mm, we'll see. A lot of people think he will be. So we'll, we'll we'll see. Here's my thing though. And and this is why I think the Saints need a running back more than anything. Let's say hypothetically Kamara gets suspended eight games. This is half the season. Do you trust Eno Benjamin to carry the offensive workload? That's what that's what I was saying. While he's gone, I don't. I don't. And then, who are you putting behind him? There's nobody. You're bringing back David Johnson. Go and get Tony Jones Jr. Again? Again? Like, go get Leonard Fournette. I I know that would be, you know, a a shot in the dark, and that would be a risky decision for the Saints, but man, if that pays off, you're golden. And it's another hometown kid that works out for you. I don't know, but the Saints have to do something. At running back, especially if Alvin Kamara is going to be in as much trouble as it looks like he could be in. Uh, today's guest lineup, Jake Crane's going to join us at 4.30. And then Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, will join us at 5.30 to preview the Cajuns and the Eagles from Pensacola for the quarterfinals of the Sunbelt Men's Basketball Tournament. We'll take a timeout here. And when we return to crunch time on your Friday fun show, the Cajuns and the Cowgirls are playing softball in Austin, Texas, and we'll give you an update next. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. We here at the game know you love our shenanigans both on and off the air, and we want to help you help us. So go and subscribe to our YouTube channel at The Game Louisiana and click the bell so you can get notifications when we post our brand new content as well as game recaps. Once we get to a thousand followers, you'll see even more of our fun behind the scenes and after work mischief at The Game Louisiana on YouTube. 
Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 421 on your Friday. Welcome back to Crunch Time here on The Game at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Let's go to the game hotline now. Frank, what's going on? Not a lot. How you all, bud? Uh, it's a Friday, sir. I'm doing fantastic. Awesome sauce. Uh, look, the, whoever whoever said uh, casual fan uh, or something to that nature, I was just getting in my in my Jeep uh, to drive home. Uh, if you don't say head coach, you don't know what you're talking about. You're right. Uh, the Saints head coach, uh, as I've said before, uh, uh, well, I'm not going to be political about it, but the man doesn't know what he's doing. Um, he failed in his previous head coaching job, and he failed the Saints last year because the only reason they had the record they had was sheer talent. That that was it. Uh, defensive line, you can interchange defensive players because those big guys, they can play defensive end or nose guard. It it, it doesn't matter where you put them. Their, right. their number one job is to get to the backfield, and that's it. Yeah. Running back, yeah, I would agree because Alvin Kamara, yeah, he, he walked in some poo-poo, and that's going to come back to bite him. But it would, to me, it would be head coach, and that's a no-brainer. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't disagree with you. The only reason I didn't say that is because I don't find it likely that's going to happen anytime soon. Right. I, I mean, and the Saints are tradition, they traditionally uh, hire in-house, correct? And they have way too much patience. Um, so, I mean, at, at least Jerry Jones isn't running the organization. Zach, organization. Zach, Zach Streif will probably be the next head coach. <laughs> Thank y'all for taking the call, boys. Appreciate you, Frank. Have a good weekend, man. So, the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the McNeese Cowgirls playing each other this afternoon in the Texas Longhorn Invitational over in Austin. And in the bottom of the third, the Cajuns lead the Cowgirls 3 to nothing behind a three-run blast from Carly Heath in the first inning. First inning started off very simply. Maya Davis hit a single. Maddie Hayden hit a single that Maya Davis reached third on. And then Carly Heath sent one out the park. 3 nothing, just like that. Sam Landry has had a fantastic performance thus far. She just gave up her first hit to the Cowgirls there in the bottom of the third with one out. McNeese has a runner on first. So far in the contest, Louisiana just re-entered the top 25 at number 24. Also, LSU softball got an early start to their day today over in Fullerton, California for the Judy Garman Classic. They played Michigan and Loyola Marymount. They played Michigan early this morning at 11.30, and Ali Kaponen was Fantastic. A 2 nothing win for the Tigers. Coponen gets a shutout in the contest and just a huge win for Beth Tarina's group. And they are getting ready, like I said, to play Loyola Marymount here in about half an hour. Once we get score updates from that game, we will pass them along to you. Looking at some top stories in sports. The Las Vegas Raiders have planned to place a franchise tag on Josh Jacobs. James, 
Smart move by the Raiders? I'd say so. I mean, you'd love to commit to a running back, but we know how long-term running back contracts going to go. Eventually, it's going to start biting you in the butt a little bit. So being able to franchise tag them, I think that's a pretty good move, especially for somebody this young. And if you're going to have them be that much of a focal piece along with Devontae Adams, being able to franchise tag them and not have them be the biggest cap casualty in the world, especially long-term, I think that's a good move. This is kind of a surprising move. We're going to talk about golf here in a little bit. They're currently playing in the Arnold Palmer Invitational. The Players' Championship is coming up next weekend. And Tiger Woods did not commit to the field for next week's event. So Tiger Woods will not be playing in the Players' Championship next weekend. Odd move. Because... You know, it, it was believed that Tiger was going to pick and choose the tournaments that he plays in, and the players is basically the fifth major. So the the fact that he's sitting this one out is very surprising, at least to me. Um, the the fifteen time major champion Tiger Woods, and what what's interesting about this is with him not participating in this competition at TPC Sawgrass kind of puts in question whether or not he'll play in the Masters. Because this is kind of that, you know, let's see where you're at and let's see where you have what you have to work on before Augusta. You don't play in the players. I mean, technically, you still could play at Augusta, but you're kind of putting yourself at a disadvantage. But granted, it's Tiger Woods. I don't care what kind of shape Tiger Woods is in. He's still Tiger Woods. Right, James? Yeah. Still got the name recognition. I mean, he's he's still the the second greatest golfer to ever play the sport. Um, but no, I, I just I thought that that was an interesting decision by Tiger to uh, to to sit that one out. But looking at the current leaderboard for the Arnold Palmer Invitational, Kurt Kitayama currently in the lead at nine under par. And James, guess who's breathing down his neck? Yep. Your boy Jordan Spieth. I called it. I know, yeah, it's, I know it's only Friday. Because before, because in case you're wondering, we did do our roll the dice. It's back. We had a little short hiatus, but uh, it's back. And, and it's, it's on... The game's website, if you want to go check it out, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. Or on social media. Yeah. Check it out both ways if you want to. Like and share with your friends as well. I picked Jordan Spieth to win this tournament. It's been almost a full a full year since Jordan Spieth has won a golf tournament. Um, he had a great finish at, waste, at the Waste Management Open two weeks ago. Finished tied for sixth in that one. So something's something's coming. For, for Jordan Spieth. And this time of year, he always, you know, finds a way to, to, to turn it on. And as as we're talking, the leaderboard updates, he's now at eight under. He is only a stroke off the lead of Kurt Kitayama with one more hole to play in his day. Cameron Young at seven under. Xander Shoffley at six under with Justin Thomas, who is also at six under. Patrick Cantlay at five Scotty Scheffler's at four under. John Rahm had a plus four day 
to fall to three under par. Max Homa at three under par as well. Going to be a very, very entertaining weekend out at Bay Hill. We'll take a time out here on Crunch Time. And when we return, Jake Crane joins us for Jake's Takes. We'll get his thoughts on the new rules in college football, the craziness of March Madness getting underway, and much more right here on The Game. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 434 here on your Friday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337-706-0111. Looking at, we, we talked earlier about the new rules in college football. There's also been an announcement from the SEC about now with the two new teams, who's going to be their three deadlocked matchups every year. LSU's rather interesting. Let's get into it with our guy, Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company. Jake, what's going on, bud? How are you? Gentlemen, I'm doing great on this uh, Friday. How are you guys doing? Absolutely fantastic, man. Um, so before we get into this, I, I have to I have to applaud you. Uh, you posted a video earlier today about what coaches really want to say after a loss. <laughs> and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Well, look, having having been in there and and under and you know kind of can understand it. I just uh, it would be a whole lot more interesting if people are actually able to say the truth. But you know, with coach speak being the way it is in the smart play, uh, obviously you, you got to make the smart play. So, what are your thoughts on the new rules in college football? You know, the clock not stopping for first downs, no consecutive timeouts, things of that nature. Well, you know, I, I'm I'm just glad they didn't, you know do the rule where we're going to run the clock after an incomplete pass. I thought that was, you know, one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in my life. It's very similar to the NFL, basically exactly like it. I don't mind it, to be honest with you. I wonder what, when are they going to put in a two-minute warning? Like, when's it coming? Like, that, that's the next step. I mean, if you're going to make it like the NFL rules, go ahead and go all the way. But I really don't mind these because I don't think it's going to totally change uh, a ton about the game. Now, another thing that got announced today in college football, obviously with Texas and Oklahoma set to join the SEC, you're going to have to change the way that scheduling is done. So the SEC has announced that every team is going to have three annual matchups. And, you know, we'll start with LSU since that's right here in our backyard. Ole Miss, A&M, and Alabama. What are your thoughts? Could be worse. Could be way worse. Uh, Obviously, you know... um... Alabama, uh, getting Alabama, I'm glad they kept that one. That's that turned into one of the greatest rivalries in college football. A&M, look, until they figure it out, you, you just don't believe, right? Ole Miss with Lane is scary, but you should have better athletes than them. So at, out of some of the draws, uh, I mean, LSU, I, I, I think, got a pretty decent one. And then, you know, looking at your guys, Jake, don't take this the wrong way, but you guys are guaranteed one win playing Vanderbilt every year, right? They had to with Bama and Georgia. They had to. You're going to give us Bama and Georgia. We need Vandy, all right? Like, th- those are the rules. I'm not that pissed about it. I knew it was going to happen. I'm just glad it wasn't like ba- Bama, Georgia, Mississippi State. So what, what goes into the mindset of giving 
Auburn both big dogs in the SEC. Like I, I get Alabama obviously because of the rivalry, but Georgia too. Well, Auburn's been playing Georgia longer than they've been playing Alabama. A lot of people don't realize that Auburn and Georgia are closer too. I mean, Auburn's right there in East Alabama on the Georgia line. Uh, so it's a huge rivalry. They, they go after a, a very similar group of players, you know, just locally. Uh, I, I knew, I think they should have kept it. Look, I'm so used to it. I mean, now at least they split it up. We used to have to play, uh, Georgia and then Bama, like basically back to back, which was just awful. So, uh, I'm, I'm used to it again. This doesn't add anything that hurts me more. It just is what it is. But now you guarantee us Vandy, you know, again, I mean, I'm not pissed about it. Has anybody really jumped off the page at you so far at the NFL Combine? Like, wow, you know, this guy's really impressed me. Well, I mean, obviously you see the big guys running really fast. Nolan Smith, though, and, and I said this on the show today, uh, not just because he ran 4-4 and, and he, you know, jumped out of the gym, but looking at the way his former teammates at Georgia, he was the captain there, watching how excited they were to watch him have success speaks volumes to me. Uh, I already knew he was a hell of a player. This just goes ahead and completes the circle off the field. Now, looking at, at free agency, obviously, you know, Lamar Jackson, still one of the bigger names, Aaron Rodgers as well. Free agency starts on the 15th in 12 days. Decisions are going to have to be made for these guys sooner rather than later. I mean, yeah. Uh, it's it's time. What does Bruce Buffer say before they're about to throw down in the UFC? It's time. Uh, I mean, you uh, all the talking and all that stuff, you know, you look at the, all the situations that are going on with Aaron Rodgers and then Derek Carr's out there. What's going to happen with Ryan Tannehill, Lamar Jackson? Who knows? I mean, it's, uh, it's going to be an interesting race, but you're going to see dominoes start to fall. And the thing about this is once one domino starts to fall, you see the other ones because everybody wants to get in the spot. It's his musical chairs. You don't want to be left standing up. Chatting with Jake Crane here on Jake's Takes each and every Friday. Daniel Jones is asking for $45 million a season. Is that too much? Yeah, but like I can understand why you're doing it. You'll never be hotter than you are right now. I mean, you'll never be hotter, and you did it against all odds. And the fans love you now. And people are like, oh, Brian Dable and Daniel Jones. Oh, just give me more of it. I love it so much. Uh, so I, I understand why he's pressing that button. But if you're the Giants, you say, all right, look, let's just let full send. Just totally full send. We'll figure out what to do with Saquon. Or do you say, Daniel, listen, you had one good year. you got to prove to us that this wasn't the anomaly. Are, are we looking forward to a – mega matchup in the SEC women's tournament between LSU and South Carolina? I mean, yeah, obviously. What else is going to happen? I mean, it's like it's like watching F1. One of three guys is going to win. Like, it's either Leclerc, Verstappen, or that other super rich, you know, good-looking European guy. I don't even know his name. Lewis but, uh, like, again, like, ooh, I'm shocked. It's like when UConn was winning back in the day. It's like, oh, UConn is winning again. Oh, I'm absolutely shocked. The fact that I don't bet women's college basketball every single time is one of the dumbest things in my life, and yet I still continue not to do it. What's going on with the Pelicans? Look, man, I tried to believe. I tried to help everybody out as much as possible in this situation. I tried to warn everybody about Zion. It's just never going to work. He's never going to be healthy. All right, And it's not all on him. 
okay? But you sit there and you're like, all right, I'm going to throw all this money at him. And then you're not playing. You're out there wearing weird-looking yellow turtlenecks with, with weird pants on like Indiana Jones. Uh, I just – I didn't believe in Zion. I don't think he's ever. there's ever going to be continuity with him there. And it just seems like there's always drama every year. I just – I don't know, man. Like, it's just seeming like – uh, maybe I was right, and I hate that. And then, you know, staying in the NBA, the the latest reports on, on Ja Morant, what what kind of effect do you think that has on the Memphis Grizzlies? Well, man, what are you doing, Ja? You went to Cranbrook, man. Let's be honest. Like, you grew up rich. Like, you you had a basketball court at your house. Like, your high school looked, I mean, it's one of, like, the nicest, most expensive high schools. Like, why are you out here trying to pretend that you're, like, Ice Cube or something? Like, I don't – dude, you're, you're – you got everything you could ever want. You're a superstar. Why would you go screw it up by trying to trying to act like you know you're you're you know some some badass? I don't I don't get it, man. Just look, be rich, be happy, be able to jump up in the air like that and make incredible dunks. Y'all need to be worried about winning. Why you got this window with the Grizzlies? But you're over here getting in, having guys pull out you know allegedly pull out hollow point uh, point hollow points at security guys at the mall, like Paul Blart and people like that. Like, what's going on? Looking at the world of golf, are you surprised that Tiger Woods is not going to play in the Players' Championship next week? I mean, am I, like, super surprised? No. I mean, look, we we know where Tiger is in the stage of his career. Uh, I was hoping maybe he'd be able to bounce back after playing in that uh, in the Genesis a little bit quicker because, you know, he put together some some good golf. Uh, but yeah, I am. I'm a little bit disappointed. Anytime Tiger's not playing, it takes a little bit of the edge off. But uh, there's still some some great competition at the top. I mean, this is going to be a hell of a tournament. All right, Jay, give me some bets that you're making this weekend. Ooh, man, you're look, put me on front street. It's a big weekend. All right, Auburn's got a must win against Tennessee. Tennessee's in a one and a half point favor right now. Look, I, I'm taking Auburn money line. There is no Ziegler. I'm shocked that the line opened like that. Uh, Bama's on the road at A&M. Bama hadn't been playing great. They're one-and-a-half-point favorite. I don't think you'd be crazy for sneaking in your parents' room, going going and grabbing that $20 underneath the mattress, and you putting a little parlay of Auburn and Texas A&M money line tomorrow and see if you can't get a little uh, extra change. Speaking of Auburn, what the hell happened the other night? Man, why why you got to do this to me? Why you what gotta, what, why, why you what gotta happened? Like, I don't look. It, what always happens with this team? They can't shoot at the end. They couldn't have played any better for most of that game. But I knew it. Every time, every time Auburn's up, I immediately live bet the other team money line. Like I wait till like Auburn's up like fifteen, and I'm like, here we go. And it's just that they don't have any cold blooded killers at the end of the game on that team. They got a bunch of role players, and you saw that happen. I mean, it, look, I'm just ready to get this year over with. Let's beat Tennessee. Let's let's you know win a game in the SEC tournament, go to the second round of the NCAA tournament. Let's figure it out and regroup. And it's really a shame because I think Bruce Pearl is just such a good coach. He is a good coach, man. He is a good coach. Um, it just uh, again, you had some young guys that didn't work out, and the older guards. I mean, they're not doing it in the clutch. And at the end of the day, you know, basketball is a game of putting the ball in the hoop when it matters. And Auburn just struggles to do that. You're going to lose. So sorry. Jake Crane, host of Crane and Company, joining us here on Crunch Time. Jake, appreciate you each and every week. Have a great weekend, and uh, we'll do it again next Friday. Sounds good, guys. Y'all enjoy the weekend. And there he goes, Jake Crane, the host of Crane and Company. What a great segment each and every week, getting his thoughts on the big topics 
in the world of sports. James, one topic I want to get to before we take the final time out of hour number one. Jordan Addison, former Pitt star, won the Bolitnikoff at Pitt and then went to USC and had a great year with Caleb Williams over at USC. Addressed Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett, his former quarterback at Pitt, and put it very simply, come get me. James, Jordan Addison, George Pickens, Pat Fryermuth, that's a freaky receiver room for Kenny Pickett. I'm just saying. Steelers are going to look scary in the AFC North. That, and Najee Harris, if he could get his head out of his ass, that's an offense, dude. That's an offense. Najee looked better toward the end of the year. He did, but he needs, and that's, and that's, he needs to look that way for 17 games. And, and the reason for that is because I think they kind of told him, like, look, we're not going to give you the ball 500 times. Right. You're going to have to make your touches worth it. So, like like I said, get your head out of your you-know-what. Jordan Addison would bring a completely different dynamic to that group. Because George Pickens is kind of your, your big body, you know, Michael Thomas-esque Mm-hmm. type of guy Jordan Addison's that Odell Beckham Jr. that's gonna fly up and make those crazy one-handed catches for you and that's just a totally different dynamic than than what Pittsburgh really has right now and then Pat Fryermuth, the guy's young and I, I I still think he's one of the top 10 tight ends in the game he's fantastic yeah I think he's in that fringe he he's looked really exciting the times that he is able to get volume work and get the ball. So if I mean obviously I, I obviously him just saying come get me isn't like a okay. Like it doesn't, it, doesn't say work, it doesn't work that way. It's not like signing from high school to college. Right. And you know, if you look at where the Steelers are in the first round, because Jordan Addison's gonna be a first round pick. There's there's just no there's no denying that. Um what I'm what I'm interested to see though is could you maybe if you need to, could you maybe move up and figure out a way to go get this guy that your quarterback who struggled at times already has a relationship with? Cause you know, if you look at it, the Steelers are sitting at 17. See, I don't know that Jordan Addison hangs around that long. But could you maybe move up to 12? Yeah, and, and you get can him move at 12? up to the early teens. I, if, if I'm, according to this mock draft, they have Jordan Addison going, well, hell, they might actually be able to get him. They have him going in the 20s. 27 to Buffalo. So the Steelers could just get him at 17. Ah, uh, yes, because Buffalo needs yeah, bu- to spend bu- their first round on a receiver. Bu- Buffalo needs more receivers. That's that's what they need. Anyways, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it only makes sense. Hey, he has a relationship with this guy. There's chemistry already. 
why not? Why not make his second year just that much easier? We'll take a time out, wrap up hour number one of Crunch Time right after this. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It's crawfish time in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles is giving you a chance to win everything you need to throw the ultimate crawfish boil. It's the game's ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, and Iron Horse Sales and Service. Register in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com and you could score a $500 Visa gift card, a boiling pot, a burner, a paddle, ice chest, tumblers, and chairs, along with two giant sacks of crawfish. And if that wasn't enough, there's also a pair of Astros tickets. Enter now in the Game Rewards Club for the ultimate crawfish boil giveaway cooked up by St. Landry Lumber, Cody's Crawfish, Iron Horse Sales and Service, and the game. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time, wrapping up hour number one. Don't forget, if you want to get a couple of tickets to Aerial Angels, you can just call the game hotline at 337-706-0111 free of charge also don't forget to vote our poll question of the day after qb what is the biggest position of need for the saints you can vote on twitter and facebook is a running back do you think it could be a defensive interior defensive lineman an offensive guard or do you think it's something else give us your opinion now matt look keeping keeping with football i kind of want to look at something darius slay big play slay Slay, one of the best corners in the NFL right now, plays for the Eagles. He gave his top five receivers that he had faced last season. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take a guess, one through five? Chris Lave is probably in there. Yeah, he's got him at number five. Okay. Um, let's see, who did the Eagles play a lot I am going to say that either Jahan Dotson or Terry McLaurin is in there. Terry McLaurin is number two. Okay. Um, who did they play in the Super Bowl? The Chiefs. Um, Chiefs don't really have anybody. Chiefs don't. Chiefs don't have anybody in there, do they? No. Okay. Um, top receivers in the league is Cooper Cup in there? No. I don't. He didn't face Cooper. I'm trying to think of who the Eagles played this year. <laughs> it's another NFC East guy. Oh, CD. There you go. Number three. Okay. CD Lamb is number three. Number four is a curveball. You won't expect it. Can I have the division that number four plays in? <laughs> he plays in the AFC North. Plays in the AFC North. Mm-hmm. Ooh. It'll be funny because we kind of just finished talking about Steve. Is it George Pickens? No. Deontay Johnson? There you go. Mm, and then number one? No clue. No clue. Jay Jettas? Oh, Justin. I forgot they played the Eagles. Yeah, yeah that was week three or four. Yeah. Really early on in the season. Good, good, old, good old Justin Jefferson. Man, that guy. 
the, the story of how he goes from literally a package deal, only went to LSU because his brother made LSU take him. Fine, we'll recruit him. And now he's the top receiver in the NFL. It's wild. It's funny. That is absolutely insane. There is something that I do want to go into a deeper dive on later on the show if we get to it next week, like Monday or something. I feel like that'd be cool. Um, Report cards. For the NFL. For the NFL. For the NFL PA, kind of looking at, you know, how were how were the treatment of the families by like coaching and the staff? What were the strength coaches like? The weight room, the training room, the training staff, the locker room, you know, like kinda the extracurricular stuff that you don't necessarily see on the field. They kind of graded everything and based on the grades it kind of ranked everything and the Saints actually got top ten. They did. But there was one blemish. They 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 had an F minus. In nutrition. In food service slash nutrition. Are we surprised in South Louisiana? No. Our number one in the books. Our number two, LSU women's basketball tipping off in Greenville, plus an update on the Cajuns and Cowgirls, and a preview of the Cajuns and Georgia Southern in the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. All that and more coming up in hour number two of Crunch Time right here on the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion, Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Two of Crunch Time is here on the game, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Series champion Houston Astros, Matt Miguez, James Mesh. The game hotline is 337 706 That's 706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch our Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. In our number one, we talked golf. We talked college basketball. We talked college baseball and much more. Here in our number two, we're going to do much of the same. And we have a preview of the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns as they prepare to do battle with the Georgia Southern Eagles tomorrow evening inside of the Pensacola Bay Center for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. Update from Austin. They're in the bottom of the fifth. Louisiana leads three to nothing still, but McNeese is threatening. Runners on second and third, nobody out. And it's looking like McNeese could put some points on the board here for the Cowgirls. Now, if you look at Louisiana, it's interesting because this game had to start late because of the game before them going over on time. James, the Cajuns have to bounce back after this game. To play Texas. That's not going to be very fun. So McNeese has put a run on the board after a flyout from Gomez to center field. Torres comes in to score. Arduan tags up as well, trying to go to third. She gets tagged out. So it's a sacrifice double play for McNeese, and it's now 3-1 to one in 
the bottom of the fifth. Also, Kim Mulkey and the Louisiana and the LSU Lady Tigers underway in Greenville for the SEC tournament. It is an early two nothing lead for LSU. A minute into the contest with Ladeja Williams hitting the jumper there. We will keep you updated on that game throughout our number two. Once again, on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. James, we talked in our number one about the report cards that the NFL had just come out with. We're going to get to those here in a second. But before we do, LSU baseball hosts Butler and Central Connecticut State tonight or this weekend inside of Alex Box Stadium. Jay Johnson met with the media yesterday to give his thoughts on this series plus their trip to Texas that resulted in that 3 nothing win over the Longhorns. And Jay Johnson gave his thoughts on both Butler and Central Connecticut State and their matchups this weekend. Yeah, yeah, this is a this is a, a good weekend for us. Um, you're seeing two very veteran teams uh, facing a really good starting pitcher tomorrow night. Um, so really competitive, uh, older players positionally for both teams. So this isn't just a hey, chalk it up, show up and and win. We have to play well. We're gonna have to play well to win. Number one, number two. Um, you know, talking about this, you know, being a mission, you know, improvement on a daily basis is a foundational thing for us. And there's some things that we need to improve on, which I'm excited about to get out there today and work on and then uh, take them into the weekend. Strikeouts? Yeah, that's uh, that's a yes and no, uh, to be honest with you. There's a reason why we're a little high. There's actually a couple reasons why we're a little higher. Uh, we want to eliminate the ones that we shouldn't have, but we're going to have some. And, um, you know, I don't really want to elaborate on how and the why and the what, but I know the difference between the ones that are, I guess, what you would call okay or acceptable and the ones that aren't. We want to attack the ones that aren't and have those be a little bit better. Jay Johnson also elaborated on the Tommy White situation. Tommy White got hurt in the season opener, sliding back into first base on a pickoff attempt. So the question was raised Will Tommy White, who has been seen in the lineup as a designated hitter, will he be back in the field at third base this weekend? I don't know that yet. Um, he played catch on Monday for the first time. Um, played a little bit of catch Tuesday. Uh, took tomorrow off. Uh, don't really have an answer on that either way. I, um, you know, we're hopeful. I mean, it's you know, we're hopeful that all of them are at 100 percent and full strength, but. Uh, we'll work that way back in the manner that it it needs to. It's it's good having a good roster and depth that uh, you know it's pretty significant if you looked at it from the outset of how it would affect our team and it, it really hasn't. I mean you know, the infield defense has been great with Ben and Jordan and Gavin um, particularly. So uh, Jared did a nice job over at first this weekend. Um, made some really good catches. Made a good pick in the dirt. Um, trade you know coming in at the end of the game. So. Um, we feel like we can get through in a way that we can make sure he's healthy before he's thrown. Thatcher Hurd, who was on the mound for the game against Texas the other night, you know, you look at LSU's pitching rotation and it's absolutely incredible 
to see that a guy like Thatcher Hurd, who would probably be a starter, a weekend starter, at 85% of the college programs in America, is sitting as a midweek guy for the Tigers. And uh, Jay Johnson talked about Thatcher Hurd, as well as his team's performance against the Longhorns. You know, I, I think um, for our whole team, I'd say we, we handled it all very well. Um, it starts on the mound. And, um, yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised. I mean, like, he, uh, you know, first inning, a little bit of adversity. Um, we get, made a nice play uh, to get out of it, and that's important. The first inning of the game, defense is really important because the pitcher's trying to settle in, the umpire's trying to settle in. So there was a big double play. But then he took off after that and um, really just kept the momentum of the game in our dugout. I was re-watching the game um, yesterday morning, and there was a point where they had thrown like 75 more pitches than we had. And that's a credit to him filling up the strike zone. It's a credit to our hitters controlling the strike zone. And ultimately, you know, we got to their sixth guy used in the game where we had only used three. And when Nate was throwing the ball as well as he was out of the bullpen and then Christian in the ninth inning, eventually you feel like you're going to win. And um, so he helped set us up for that. It was a really, really good performance and I believe a sign of things to come. You know, looking at a game like the one they played against Texas the other night when it's 0-0 all game long and then it gets blown open in the ninth with a three-run homer by a guy like Gavin Duga, it's pretty easy to say that he has been critical for you in the stretch yeah done a good job yeah done a good job um super engaged i mean literally it was a you know extra work thing every day leading into the season um you know motivated to do it and part of the pull and bringing him back here was a to try this out and then b like the guy's been here for four years and he's not a pro player like he needed a, a position where his profile could be a little bit better. And so I think he's motivated from that front too. Um, so uh, pleased, very pleased with um, the work put in to be a good defender. Um, I think he's shown his athleticism a couple more times than, than maybe we had seen, A, because he wasn't an infielder last year. Uh, but B, he's worked hard and on his feet and playing low and using his eyes to catch the ball and has a good, a strong arm from being an outfielder. So he turns a double play well. So it's, it's evolving into something that's, you know, not a something we're trying, but it's becoming a thing and he deserves all the credit. James LSU playing both Butler and central Connecticut state this weekend. Is it easy to say that this is going to be a nice tune up weekend? For the Tigers? I mean, I think it's easy to say that. You still got to line up and play the game itself because you never know what could happen. You could always get upset. I'm not anticipating that, but you got to make sure you're still on your P's and Q's. You got to make sure that your bullpen is working out. Make sure that y'all, the whole squad kind of just looks in tune and the chemistry is all there. Because, I mean, you're rank number one for a reason you Mm -hmm. should be able to win these games and you should be able to win them handily looking at the schedule jay johnson and company gonna be in the friendly confines of alex box stadium for the next two weeks they play butler tonight central connecticut state tomorrow central connecticut state on sunday butler on monday 
midweek game against Lamar on Wednesday. They'll host Sanford next weekend before another midweek contest with UNO on the 14th, and then they'll go to Texas A&M to open SEC play the weekend of the 17th, 18th, and 19th. So, a great stretch of games for LSU to work on some issues, give younger guys some some playing time before the, the bright lights of SEC baseball come shining down because they are going to shine down, and they're going to shine down quickly on a team that is no longer the hunter. LSU baseball is heavily the hunted in 2023 in terms of college baseball. Louisiana softball, top of the six, still 3-1 to one in favor of the Cajuns over in Austin, Texas, a tournament that is featuring both the Louisiana Ragin' Cajuns and the McNeese Cowgirls. Also, an update on LSU and Georgia at the halfway point of the first quarter. LSU leads Georgia 14-6 to with Alexis Morris already nine points in the contest. She is 3-for-3 three three from behind the arc so far in this one. Alexis Morris said, I'm not finished in a purple and gold uniform just yet. We're going to take a timeout here on Crunch Time. And when we return, the NFLPA, like we talked about earlier, put out report cards on all 32 NFL teams. And we're going to dive into what stands out. There's actually quite a bit. We'll get into it next here on Crunch Time. This is Crunch Time on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You can win a VIP package from Michael's Men's Club's Aerial Angels event on March 8th by sending a simple text to score a table for four with bottle service and appetizers. All you got to do is join the game's text club by texting ANGELS to 337-283-8100. That's ANGELS to 337-283-8100. Once you're a member, you'll be eligible to score those tickets to see Aerial Angels courtesy of the game's text club. And if you want to win a pair of tickets to the show, He's saying, you know what, VIP treatment's not really for me. Just call us up on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. Let your voice be heard. Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Hello. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, I don't have a good feeling about this one. I'll go back into crunch time, Matt Miguez. James Mesh, 518 here on your Friday fun show. Let's get into some report cards. And man, oh man, it's not pretty. For some teams. For some teams, it actually worked out really well. The Vikings? The Vikings look good. The (laughs) Dallas Cowboys? Surprisingly? Somehow the Dolphins skate through with, you know, training staff and got an A. But, man. I, explain, I would, explain that one to me. I would hate to be a Washington Commanders fan. Hmm. Same thing with the Cardinals. Shout out shout out Raymond Parsh III. Right. So, we'll, we'll start from the bottom up. Uh, let's start with the Washington Commanders. They're ranked 32nd. A lot of glaring issues. Um... Treatment of families, F. F. Food service slash nutrition, D plus. Weight room, 
C plus. Good for you. Strength coaches, A plus. <laughs> and then so right right now we're at the we're at the breaking point. Oh, we of, hit the pinnacle of, of of the explosion. Uh training room, F minus. Training staff, D. Locker room, F minus. Team travel, F minus. Yikes. Yikes is all I, I'm I'm gonna say with with that one. Technically, and, and technically, if we if we're really gonna just strictly F's, technically the Cardinals did worse because they got five F's. They did, they did. Uh, looking at the Arizona Cardinals, who are thirty first. Treatment of families F, food service F minus, weight room F minus. Strength coaches, you got an A, good for you. Training room F minus, training staff B plus, locker room F, team travel B plus. So you have a weight room of F minus. You have a training room of F minus, but your strength coaches, you got an A, baby. They're working with not a lot. I'm, I mean, I I don't know what to say about that. Now let's let's look at the New Orleans Saints. Because I'm actually very impressed with with how they turned out. The New Orleans Saints come in at 10th on the list. Treatment of families, B+. We love that. Food service slash nutrition, F-. Yikes. But from there, everything else is pretty good. Weight room, A-. Strength coaches, A. Training room, B. Training staff, this is fluffed, A-. Locker room, A. Team travel, a plus tied for first in the NFL. What? Gail Benson sending everybody on first class flights to to games? Like what's happening? What they they, they send them cucumbers on the eyes? Right, right. Face uh, uh, in house spa. Give them facials on the flight. That apparently the Saints offer daycare for their players. Kind of kind of interesting. Uh, quality of food was ranked 29th for the Saints, one of only three teams that do not provide dinner. They offer a late lunch at 3 when they practice at 12. I mean, that's fair. It's like dinner's usually at 7. Right. Go home and cook your own dinner. Like, Or have your personal chef that you pay money for. I mean, I get with, I get with some of the coaches. I mean, like Sean Payton and I would, I would hope DA would be staying late at some nights. Like looking over stuff, right. so them being there at like eight nine o'clock. Yeah, you would you would get dinner there. Yeah, and, I mean, and I, then head home. I, I get I get the coaches would. Uh, but how many players are staying there that late? If your practices are at this time, right? You're doing this film study, I would assume you get out of there at five six. So wh- then at that point, you just go home. Weight room quality of equipment is good, but the room itself is slightly small. Uh, strength coaches, players believe that the strength coaches significantly add to their individual success. Um, looking at the training room, 87% of players feel they have enough physical therapist. They have a steam room. They have a sauna. And 88% of players feel that there are enough hot tubs in the facility. Enough. Um, the players believe that they have one of the nicest locker rooms in the NFL. And 100% of players feel like they have enough room to spread out on a flight. No players have roommates. Every player gets their own hotel room. No wonder the Saints have cap issues. They're broke. 
<laughs> we're paying for 75 hotel rooms. What is this? Kind of looking at more of the NFL as a whole. There were six alarming findings from the NFLPA with their report cards. Number one, the Jaguars players reportedly said that they dealt with a rat infestation for about oh, three no. to four weeks in their locker room. Oh, no. And laundry hampers. When asked the number one thing they wanted to change at their facility, the answer was unanimous. Get rid of the rats. Number two, the Cardinals were given an F- minus in food, service, slash nutrition, and are the only team that charges players for dinner in season and facility meals during the offseason via a payroll deduction. Excuse me? Players also described the weight room F-, minus, and the floors have also been uneven floorboards. That are peeling up. Players have to pay for dinner in season? Pay for meals during the off season and then for dinner in season. That is wild. Via a payroll. That is wild. No wonder Sean Payton didn't want to go coach there. Right? <laughs> He's like, I'm out of here. God. I'll just go to Denver. Number three, 30 out of 32 teams gave their respective strength coaches at least a B review. The other two teams were the Falcons with a D minus. And then the Ravens at an F-minus. And it's because they're always hurt. The Ravens recently fired Steve Saunders as the head strength coach after several instances of public criticism about his methods. Mm, interesting. Number four was only 35% of Commanders players felt like they had enough space in the locker room. Players complained about a lack of wa warm water and reported poor drainage in the showers. Oh, Commanders. Oh, oh, Dan Snyder. Oh, Dan Snyder. Doing, doing work. Oh, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> Number five, the Chargers are using a converted office building as their training facility. No. Yeah. No. They are one of two teams without either a steam room oh, or sauna. That's awful. The hot tub, which is often broken, and the cold tub, which is often not cold, were both criticized as not having enough space and described as being... Gross. And that's why Sean Payton didn't want to go to L.A. <laughs> and here, here's the funniest one. Number six. Worst of all, it was revealed that the Bengals don't provide outlets to charge their phones in the locker room. So, <laughs> first of all, it's 2023. Keep up with the times. Right. We're um, not in 1970. But... I could counter that by saying... Why are you on your phone? Well, A, why are you on your phone? B, you make millions and millions of dollars by a portable charger. Like, yes, is it an inconvenience that there's... A slight inconvenience. Right, like, whatever. But you're, you're rich. Figure it out. You make at least six figures. Right, like... A, a a good they make cases that charge your phone for like a hundred bucks. You telling me a hundred bucks is hurting Joe Burrow's back pocket? No, he still lives at home. He I think, still, he had, I think he had a didn't he have a Star Wars bed spread? Absolutely, I think he still does. In his race car bed? Yeah. No, I don't know about his race car bed. That's a stretch. I think it used to be a race car bed yeah. though. I, I think he changed it in high school, but. Shame. Worst move tisk, of his life. Tisk tisk, Joe Burrow. Don't you want to bring your future wife home to that? Like, that's awesome. We're having fun in the car bed. <laughs> oh my God. So, 
Right. So going back to the to the outlet thing, obviously, like I said, it's 2023. I can count seven open outlets within 10 feet of me right here. But again, just buy a portable charger, buy a charging case, something, get over it. The not having a cold tub that works or a hot tub that is, quote, gross or a renovated building to be the training facility or or you don't feel like your locker room has enough damn room. Those are real issues. You not having an outlet at your locker. Why am I hip to hit with my teammate? Like right. <laughs> right. Like 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 why why am I touching another man while I'm trying to change? Well, he no. just got out of the shower. Like what what no. No. Give give me give me uh, arm arm reach. Stick out your arms. Don't come near me. Maybe at least elbows reach. Yeah. Elbow. I feel like elbow at the minimum. Elbow elbow extended. Yeah. Elbow extended. Uh but the Saints. 100% of players feel like they have enough room to spread out on a flight, no roommates, and many first-class seats for players. Players are flying first-class in New Orleans. Man, I wonder what that's like. Oh, that is that is hilarious. If you want to see more details on each team's, the, these report cards go very in-depth. Um, all 32 teams, there's eight Categories, treatment of families, nutrition, weight room, strength staff, training room, training staff, locker room, and travel. I hope the NFLPA does this every year. Let's see how let's see how teams improve. Saints got an F minus. Let's shoot for like a C minus in nutrition next year. Huh? Commanders, let's shoot for 31st. Let's let's, let's fix something in, in your organization this year. Cardinals, get a better locker room. Oh, oh man. That is Baltimore. Get a new, get a new strength coach. Wild. Top of the seventh in Austin. The Cajuns still leading, three to one over McNeese. And in Greenville, Georgia. This I, I called it. I said take Georgia in the points. LSU leads Georgia twenty nine to twenty five with seven thirty nine left in the second quarter. Angel Reese, eight points, three rebounds. Alexis Morris still leading the way for the Tigers with nine. She's now up to 12, actually, I just as she hits yet another three-pointer. We'll take a timeout. Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, he'll join us next from Pensacola to preview the Georgia Southern Eagles and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns in the quarterfinals of the Sunbelt Conference Tournament right here on The Game. A recent survey discovered that game listeners prefer our station over watching a mandated webinar at work. Well, thank you, everyone, for coming to this exciting meeting today to discuss... Take that, productivity in the workplace. This is The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're back here on Crunch Time 535 here on your Friday, broadcasting live from the FCO Development Studios in Upper Lafayette. FCO Development is a civil construction company that specializes in new multifamily construction. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns are in Pensacola, Florida, getting set to do battle with the Eagles of Georgia Southern tomorrow evening in the Pensacola Bay Center. Tip-off in that game is set for 
7.30. Joining us to preview that game and to recap their big win over ULM last night is the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Mr. Danny Reed. Danny, thanks so much for taking the time, man. How are you? Oh, Matt, my pleasure. Good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. So let, let's start with the game last night, 66-57, to 57, taking down ULM. It was a, a back-and-forth battle until the end. The Eagles shooting 50% from downtown for the game. Uh, just give me, give me your thoughts on the win by the, by the Eagles. It was tight up until about the final three minutes. The biggest lead of the entire game was six points. Each team had a six-point lead in the first half. And for Georgia Southern, there was some reticence because you didn't know how things were going to go, not having Andre Savras off because of injury. But to, to see the team shoot 9 of 18 from three for a squad that's been around 30% for the year from downtown, struggled from the free throw line early but made six straight. All were one-and-ones in the final 90 seconds. Jalen Finch scored 10 straight points to help open up what was a two-point lead right around the three-and-a-half-minute mark. They just made what Coach Bird calls winning plays, and they happen when they had to happen. What helped with Finch is that he played in an NCAA tournament last year when he was with Jacksonville State. They had a chance in that 15-2 game against Auburn, so his experience is almost immeasurable to this team at this point. And now that they took care of the first one, they get a chance to get some revenge on the Cajuns after they blew that big lead down at the Cajun Dome earlier this year. So, you know, when you look at the game last night, you brought up Andre Savarsov not being able to play due to injury. What's his status for tomorrow night? Is he going to be able to go against the Cajuns? It's hard to say. He's been going through rehab much of the week and talking with Coach Berg these last few days. This happened when the team was still in Statesboro. They knew he was going to travel. They weren't sure when it occurred, if he was going to be available for Thursday. And this became a game-time decision because he did practice. It's been in a limited role. They're simply trying to figure out what he is able to do. He went through practice a little bit earlier today, so it not, not a whole lot has changed on what he's done. But the fact that the off day is in between games and Georgia Southern and Louisiana are the final game of the four that are being played that day, it gives the Eagles every last minute necessary to see if they can get Saversoff back in the lineup, and it'll certainly help things. And you got to remember, he didn't play in that first meeting either. He was hurt for that Cajun Dome game. So if he's able to go, I'm anxious to see how he's, how he's able to bring it to get the Eagles into the semifinals. What are your thoughts on Brian Berg's job so far in Statesboro through, through three seasons now? He's had to deal with a lot. You come in in the middle of a pandemic. I mean, the world got shut down on, what was it, March the, March the 11th, March the 12th, and everything got turned upside down. He takes over a few weeks later. He has to put a whole new team together. Only two guys were back off that 1920 team, and he didn't get a chance to meet any of them in person. The first time he saw them was when they came to Statesboro committing basically sight unseen. And the fact that he ended up winning 13 games in year one was a minor miracle. He was a semifinalist for the Joe B. Hall Award for the nation's best first-year coach. Last year had a really good defensive mindset but really struggled to score, just didn't have anybody to play point guard consistently. This year is definitely his best team. They've been more of an offensive group. They have gradually figured out their defense, and last night they played really well on that side, limiting ULM size on the inside. He has had some challenges stacked against him simply because of COVID, finally being able to get off of that in this season. But for the Eagles, they can put themselves in a much better PR position with a win tomorrow, and then you're on house money if you can get into the semifinals. We're starting to see how good of a coach Brian Burke is, willing his way through those first two years with a really good staff. 
but with the pieces in place, this team believes that they can really do something. And for a coach like Brian that was there on a Monday night for a national championship four years ago, I don't know if there's anybody better that could do this job at this point with the group that's available. Talk about the environment that's going to be inside the Pensacola Bay Center tomorrow. Southern Miss, South Al, James Madison, Troy, Marshall, Texas State, and then Louisiana, Georgia Southern. Going to be a great day of Sunbelt basketball. Oh, no doubt. I'm I'm really looking forward to the first game with South Alabama and Southern Miss because, one, they're both, I believe, with within an hour or so of getting to the base center, so it should be a pretty hot atmosphere. And, two, they split the season series, but South Alabama just clobbered Southern Miss by 30 points just a couple of weeks ago. So Southern Miss will probably looking to get a little of a revenge and also trying to back up that regular season championship after they only won seven games last year. Troy and James Madison is a tasty little matchup because Troy was up 15 in that game before losing in double overtime. And then the one that precedes us with Texas State and Marshall, that was a battle in San Marcos. They only met once. Marshall is so gifted offensively. You can, you can try to be a little bit physical with them, but it seems the more you try to do, the more free-flowing they get. They try to step the tempo up even more. Cam Kerfin's a great shooter. And, oh, by the way, they've got the player of the year and the freshman of the year in Tavion Kinsey and Micah Hand-Lockton. And then who knows what's going to happen with the Eagles and Cajuns. That's become a nice little rivalry in just about every sport. I think the fan bases are very similar and had a chance to get to know a lot of people in Lafayette, knowing the great people down there. It, it is it is a great day of basketball for a league that just continues to improve, and we know that this year has been about trying to improve the league's profile to hopefully get to a point where you consistently get multiple NCAA tournament teams. It hasn't happened in a decade, but this year has definitely been a step forward in that respect. Chatting with Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Switching gears a little bit, Danny, looking at baseball off to a 5-3 and three start for the Eagles, uh, including a 2-out of 3 at home over West Virginia. What are your thoughts on the start to the season? It seems like it's been a feast or famine deal because Georgia Southern has posted two shutouts already, and they only had two all of last season, winning 41 games, but they've also gotten convincingly beaten in finales twice. I think that there's enormous potential with this group having to replace a number of fifth-year seniors, but also a number of guys that have been added to the pitching staff, even though the weekend rotation has been really solid so far. It's still trying to identify how the pieces are all going to work together. That's really with everybody at this point. And what made last year so special was a lot of veteran leadership guys that constantly found a way with 25 comeback wins, Sammy, Sammy Blancato stepping up, Ty Fisher leading the league in ERA, Kyler Holtgren stepping in behind the plate when J.P. Tig was hurt. And you're going to have to have guys go out of their way to improve in ways that they may not have anticipated because I don't think that anybody would have seen Sammy Blancato hitting seven home runs last year after only starting six games the year before that. So you're going to have to expect the unexpected, and if teams want to get to where they think they should be, you've got to have guys perform above their heads sometimes. What's the expectation for the Eagles this season in baseball? Surely to get back to the NCAA tournament, and you got to be a little bit careful because you just hosted your first regional ever. And I don't know if that's something that is going to happen year after year because only 16 teams get that honor per season. But you have now seen this program take a step forward where they're not just trying to be competitive in the Sun Belt and be a top five team in what has become a really good league with the addition of the four new teams. Southern Miss, we know, is consensus top 20 at this point. But for the Eagles, it is not unreasonable to expect another berth in an NCAA regional. They just have to put pedal to metal. 
Now, we'll round it back out with, with basketball, looking at, at the matchup with the Cajuns tomorrow night. If Brian Berg and company want to get to the semis, what are what are the keys to victory? Uh, they're going to have to rebound, number one. The Cajuns just are blessed with so much size on the inside with Jordan Brown and with Terrence Lewis. They, they, it seems like they can just step on the court and out-rebound somebody, and that's what made a big difference in that second-half comeback back in January. They out-rebounded Georgia Southern. I think it was 3-1 to one in the second half of that game, and they got almost every 50-50 ball. You know the Cajuns are going to play fast, but what Georgia Southern is going to have to do is maintain their style of play. You play 47 feet at a time. Be tough on defense. Run where opportunities are there. Don't try to force it if it's not there. And like Coach Berg has said all week long, these guys have to value every possession. Make sure you're taking good shots, shots that benefit the team the most, and then just try to hold up against Jordan Brown because he's a guy you know he's going to get his. If you can maybe be physical, if you can try to frustrate him with different combinations of looks. I know everybody has tried everything already. He's going to ultimately get his. But maybe if one person does that, you can't let anybody else go off if the Eagles are going to upset the number 2 Cajuns to get to the semifinals. How long has it been since you've seen a, a Sun Belt tournament as wide open as this one is. I mean, South Alabama, Texas State, you got an 18 and 11 seed in there, and it just feels like anybody that's left can win this tournament. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. Maybe the COVID year was was wide open just because that was the year where you only played teams in the East or in the West, so we didn't know how good one side was against the other. But considering the four new schools that are in and you've only played a certain number of schools one time, I don't know if that's a terribly accurate look at figuring out just what is what and what is an improved league. But I I definitely think this is wide open. I would anticipate some more upsets over the next couple of days. Selfishly, I hope George Southern is one of them. But we'll find that out uh, around 7.30 or so tomorrow night in in the quarters. Danny Reed, the voice of Georgia Southern, joining us here on the Game Hotline. Danny, appreciate your time as always. Have a great weekend in Pensacola. Have a great call tomorrow night, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely, guys. Thanks very much. And there he goes, Danny Reed, the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles. Update from Austin. It is now 7-1 to in favor of the Ragin' Cajuns. Stormy Kotzelnik getting an RBI single to score Maya Davis. And then Jordan Campbell stepped up with a three-run home run of her own, scoring Kotzelnik and Hayden to take the 7-1 to lead. They're in the bottom of the seventh. Two outs, last chance for McNeese. Sam Landry still on the mound looking for a complete game. She's only given up three hits, one run, and struck out seven. And then an update on LSU women's basketball. They now have a 10-point lead over Georgia with 423 remaining in the second quarter. But it appears the game has been delayed. So we will take a timeout, and during the break, we will try to figure out why the game is being delayed. And we'll get you that information in the final segment of today's show right here on the game this is crunch time on the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station your home for the lsu tigers and houston astros the monster trucks are coming back to the cajun dome with the toughest monster truck tour march 17th and 18th and the game has a vip package for you enter in the game rewards club at 1037thegame.com for four tickets access to the pit area a merchandise certificate and lunch with the truck drivers that Friday. The Toughest Monster Truck Tour is coming back, and you can win a VIP package courtesy of the game. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, 
Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 552 on this Friday. Welcome back to Crunch Time. Got about five minutes left in today's show. LSU and Georgia delayed in Greenville due to a leaking roof in the Greenville Coliseum. It is 42 to 32. There's 423 remaining in the second quarter. The game has been paused. However, three Tigers in double digits, led by Alexis Morris with 15, Flage Johnson with 11, and then Angel Reese with 10 of her own. The Tigers are shooting 56% from the field, 58% from downtown. That leaky roof because of how well they're shooting from three. Right. They're, they're, they're putting holes in the roof. And uh, the thing that the thing that really stands out only four turnovers for Kim Mulkey's crew, pretty solid. Um, Same thing for Georgia. Yeah, it, it's been a clean game thus far. But the question here, James, anytime you have delays like this, there, there's a couple of things that go into this. First of all, you don't know how long it's going to be. Yeah, so because, staying, staying warm is going to be important because the thing keeping is the muscles loose. The the thing is is that it's. It's a leaking roof because it's storming in Greenville. So one of two things is going to happen. They're either going to find a solution to stop the leak, or you're going to wait till the rain passes. And how long could that be? You could be looking at a couple hours before you play again. So how do you stay loose? How do you, you know, for your hot shooters, for Flauger Johnson and Alexis Morris, how do you stay hot? You've seen instances like this absolutely crumble teams. Now, I know LSU's in a in a nice situation because it doesn't really matter what happens in the SEC tournament. But I'm sure they still want to win it or at least a matchup with South Carolina. Yeah, Kim Mulkey talked about it earlier in the week saying that they want to win it. They want to win the whole SEC tournament because they were bounced out of the first round last year. Yep. Yeah, you were. Um so interesting to see how this is going to play out for LSU you know do do they get back on the court in the next half an hour or 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 so because if that's the case that's probably the best case scenario here uh but you could be looking at a couple hours before they they return to the floor so interesting to see how it'll play out once again LSU leading 42 to 32 with less than five minutes to go in the first half of that one, Louisiana McNeese has gone final, a 7-1 to win for the Cajuns. Sam Landry goes the distance, three hits, one run. She walked three and struck out seven through 116 pitches in the contest, and now they will bounce back and play the Texas Longhorns at 7 o'clock in that one. Louisiana baseball getting ready to tee up with Campbell in about five minutes, our very own James Mesh. We'll be at the park getting some legendary social media content. Be there a little late, but, I mean, fashionably. Hey, duty, duty calls. Duty calls. So if you're at the game tonight, look for James Mesh. Say hi. Uh, make him uncomfortable. It'll be fun. Act like I'm socially awkward. Uh, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Um, LSU baseball getting ready to get underway as well against Butler tonight. Um, that's going to get ugly. 
Possibly. Pelicans and Warriors tonight. James, do the Pels get two in a row? God, I would wish. But to me, New Orleans, they're just so inconsistent. Golden State's starting to get healthy again. They're more of established of a team overall. It's in the Chase Center. Golden State's really good at home, 26-7. and seven. Pels are not as good on the road. Even though I'd love for the Pels to be able to win two in a row and try and win three in a row all on the on the three-game road trip, I don't think it's going to happen tonight. I mean, I would I would like to think that it, I would, that like, it would. I, I would like to think that New Orleans could win two in a row, but they haven't shown it to me in a while. Brandon Ingram drops 50 tonight. Oh. I don't, I don't know. Uh, that would be nice because, God, if a player drops 50 and you still lose, you got some real fundamental issues. That's the Portland Trailblazers type stuff. You got, you've got some real fundamental issues. I want to take this opportunity to thank our guest today, Jake Crane, for joining us for Jake's Takes, getting his thoughts on the happenings in the sports world, as well as the voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles, Danny Reed. He joined us to preview Louisiana and Georgia Southern tomorrow night in the Sunbelt Men's Conference Tournament. Will the Cajuns be playing for a Sunbelt tournament next for a tournament championship next time I speak to you? I hope so. We hope so. Uh, will LSU lift an SEC championship trophy in women's? We don't know. We'll find out. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well. Hug your mom and them. We're back on Monday. Same time, same station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. You're home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros.